0: Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of Learning, Lifting, Leading, Social Equity for and by Black and Brown Girls and Women. My name is Jen Grimmett, and with us today is Lisa McBroom, Program Manager and Lead Intensive Family Specialist at the Exchange Club's Family Center in Alamance County, North Carolina, speaking on the topic of public health and social policy as it relates to early teen pregnancy. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. It's good to be here, Jen. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, maybe to introduce yourself to the audience, and could you tell us a little bit about um, your background and the work you do with
1: the Exchange Clubs Family Center? Yes, most definitely. As I said, I am Lisa McBroom, and as you previously shared, I am one of our program managers at the center, um, as well as our lead intensive family preservation specialist. I've actually been with the agency for over 12 years now. Um, and I work primarily with families within their home um, over a four-week pr- program, and we typically are working with goals um, pretty much to address the issue of child abuse and neglect within the home and ways to prevent that. Um, I'm also a certified uh, trainer with Protective Factors, um, and I also facilitate our Childrens as Parents classes as well. So quite a sundry of different things take place within yes. the agency, but that but that's just a few of the things that. (laughs) Yes, the
0: wearing of many different hats.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So,
0: you know, starting to kind of, you know, dig in, you know, today we're going to be um, looking at early teen pregnancy um, Mm -hmm. with black and brown girls. And, you know, one of the things that I was hoping that you could share are some demographic trends, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, as you feel comfortable um, sharing you know kind of you know maybe like if you have a historical reference versus current mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I actually just generally um, of course early parenting in itself as we know uh, can bring about several challenges. Um, mm-hmm. What we tend to see though is that a lot of times because the children and what some of the teens that we see that come through our program are so young that oftentimes they're not young enough to drive. So they're having to be dependent upon others, whether it's family members or friends or even their teachers um, to assist them or different programs such as our agency um, to assist them in going to appointments or even something uh, such as even going to the grocery store. So there are a lot of tasks that they have that we may seem as though it's being simple, but they're Mm. increased of course, when you don't have access to those type things. Um, and oftentimes what we see, too, is that some of them aren't old enough to utilize some of the uh, government benefits um, or, uh, because they're not in a position to work. Right. Um, so they have to be more dependent, I should say, they are more dependent upon using those benefits, such as daycare, vouchers, WIC, Medicaid, um, for themselves or the baby. Uh, And then the other piece to that is also um, being able to to balance and juggle the social piece of that as they're uh, learning how to, to, um, with the juggling of a baby, of having a new baby, as well as how does that work in regards to their social life with their friends and finding and determining what that balance will be. Mm -hmm. Um, So there, there are a lot of different things that we see within the trends of that, Uh, that can affect that um, on so many different levels. Um, But we are happy to see that educationally there have been things that have been built uh, to assist parenting students um, that has helped in in assisting with that. Okay. So, you know,
0: based on what you have experienced and seen, have there been any shifts in, um, you know, I'm thinking about age range, you know, was it particularly couched in a particular, um, you know, age range at one point, and now y'all are seeing something kind
1: of new emerge? Anything like that? Yes. You know, it's, it's interesting because over the years, as I said, and being with the agency for over 12 years, it seems as though we would see, tend to see more older teens. Um, at least they would be in high school. But what we're seeing now is that the trend has changed to where we're seeing uh, much younger children who aren't even teenagers um, that are with child. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that in itself has been something that we have seen over the years um, that has changed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I suspect
0: that, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. there are pretty profound effects of early teen pregnancy on young girls, you know. Yes, And, you know, in particular, the girls of color. What have you seen Mm -hmm. as far as trends with, and you kind of touched upon this, like the Mm -hmm. um, capacity to engage in social relationships, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. how they're able to maintain and sustain educational pathways, Mm -hmm. what, you know... Mm -hmm babies are expensive you right. know what kind of economic impact is this having
1: on them right and and that's a good question Jen. because typically more specifically with the african-american mothers and, and this is speaking more so to the teens that that have come within our program um they have to work harder it, it seems as though they're having to do more to prove to the community. Uh, one that they're going to continue to pursue their goals. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of uh, of the our girls of color, they're they're left with their in having to manage their own resources once they become pregnant. Um, oftentimes, they are left to to care for themselves on their own, um, without uh, any support. That can become really difficult. So. But in comparison to, say, uh, uh, Caucasian clients, they tend to have more support within the home because they're able, and oftentimes what we see, they're able to stay at home with their parents. And so they're getting that support, whereas our girls of color oftentimes have to find another place to stay and just start new beginnings. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said, it's sometimes... Uh, They're not, as I was prefacing earlier, sometimes they're not old enough to even access resources such as food stamps or housing or full-time jobs. So that makes it even more difficult um, as it pertains to parenting. I
0: mean, that's a really interesting point in that, you know, what I hear you say is that there are a great deal of cultural disparities informing
1: a young mother's experience. Right, right. Right, and like I said, parenting itself is enough, and is 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 it's it's, it's, uh, it's a lot in itself, and then in not having that support um, can become even more difficult. So yes, there and it is, and we tend to see it more within our uh, our young teen African moms and not having the support as say some of the other cultures um, have,
0: and. What do you think might be informing that reality?
1: Primarily, just when we go to the homes and and we see those things, and oftentimes it can just be uh, we're we dealing with poverty-stricken areas, and the means just aren't there to assist and to help, and. Um, Oftentimes, we see where families are just trying their best to make it themselves, let alone having others to to feed and to care for. Um, And unfortunately, our our children are put in these situations where then they're left alone without that support. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just makes it really difficult for them. Um, And like I said, and especially sometimes with age being a factor, it it sets them back even further because they're, again, they're not in positions to help themselves. Mm hmm Right. They, you know, at
0: an early age, you know, preteen, those girls have not yet accumulated the life skills they need to, you know, even manage themselves. Exactly. Exactly. So, exactly.
1: exactly. Exactly. And, and that's what they see. You know, that's what we see that there's so many things, so many developmental things that they just have not gotten to themselves Mm -hmm. and then they're put in a position where now they're having to care for someone else. And there are things like you said that they haven't been able to learn before they've gotten to that point. Um, and the basics and then knowing how to go to and when these things, because there's emotional things that they're going through, there's physical changes that they're having to, to deal with. So there's so many different challenges already that are there. Um, and then being in situations where you don't have the means to do just makes it even more uh, difficult for them.
0: And what are some of the long-term impacts that you're seeing? You know, So you have a group of young black and brown girls who are experiencing motherhood um, at a critical time. Mm-hmm. What does that do to inform their path forward as far as being able to support themselves and, you know, the longer-term outcomes?
1: Well, there are two ways to look at that, and oftentimes it's dependent upon the support system that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, because, And I, I really look at the educational system that can help our young girls um, because the, the, the primary goal, even within um with Ms. Harrington that does our adolescent pregnancy uh, prevention program, the the goal of that is for these young girls to continue their education Mm -hmm. after giving birth. Um, And so with that educational system and the support of that in place, um, the goal is for them to continue because there are things that are being done um, to where a a young mother can – um, receive her education from home at least for the first six weeks um, mm-hmm. and that's utilizing the home the homebound program um, and primarily with that the teacher is assigned to this student um, and she will, will meet with her within her home two to three times usually a week um, and that work is given for the mother to continue uh with her education path during that time, and then after the six weeks, the mother is uh, able to return to school. So at that time, there's different alternative options that are that are put in place um, even beyond that point because we realize that, too that it can be difficult once they return back. So there also um, there's a virtual academy that also allows the student to complete their classes but online. So there's there is life, there is hope, there is. Um, There's so much that can come from moving on beyond uh, that pregnancy. That's the positive side of that, when there's supports in place for our young girls. Mm -hmm. Um, However, on this other side of that, looking at the other spectrum of that, is the concern of their mental health state, where they are at that point. Um, Because sometimes this in itself can lead to other issues and concerns of depression. Mm-hmm. Um, with our teen moms when those things, when these other supports aren't there and they are left in positions to tend to so many other things, then naturally dep- depression is another piece that we need to take um, take a look at and be mindful of that as far as what they're actually going through, what they're having to deal with and speaking to those needs as well. hmm So what are some
0: of the behavioral services that can be implemented to better care for the mental health
1: of our young girls right with that um, like I said the biggest piece I think is um, it would be more beneficial um, if clinics offered more prenatal care that um, or as they're offering the prenatal care that they also offer mental health services
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, along with that and um, because I think with that, um, the mothers would be more willing to go from one provider to another, but sometimes the barriers with that are, again, are transportation and child care. Mm-hmm. So I think if we um, if we had more mental health providers also that accepted Medicaid, um, and that screenings, you know, are made across the board. But unfortunately, we don't always see that. Um, so some 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 of the clinics are good. I will share that about screenings. Um, but then some never ask that direct question as, as it pertains to what the mother's emotional state is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we could see more of that, um, would would definitely, I feel, as though be a benefit um, to our mothers.
0: And I'm wondering... So you have mentioned, you know, a couple of times that mm-hmm. a pretty significant challenge is the transportation piece. Right. Are there any services in place for the, you know, the mental health, you know, support system, the providers to do in-home visits as an extension of supporting the young mothers
1: right and that is uh it's dependent upon the counties and, and of course what's provided what's available um but within our adolescent pregnancy prevention our coordinator actually does that um she will assist uh the the teen mother to doctor's appointments she will assist them in uh just the the grocery store runs, um, different things that they may need to the health department, um, for their WIC appointments and different things like that. Um, another benefit to that too, is I know that there are some counties, Guilford County being one of them, um, in speaking with the, the director at the uh, YWCA, they also do have a mentoring program, um, in place that does work with teen mothers specifically, and so they're also available to help with that transportation. And so the biggest piece is, as I had shared uh, uh, previously, the success of this comes from the community, from us working with our young mothers um, and being that support that they're needing as they go through this stage of life Mm -hmm. and realizing that this is something that they're not having to go through alone.
0: So you mentioned the, I believe it was the Homebound program with, yes. within the, the school system. So is that yes. an Alamance County specific program or statewide, national?
1: Well, I was speaking specifically, um, Jen, as far as the Alamance Burlington School System. And oh, like I said, they do offer the virtual academy. Um, and so that is something, and the Homebound is also something that is offered as well. Um, this has just been an extension of that, um, to assist, uh, teen mothers and again, in and, helping towards the success of the graduation rate. Mm-hmm. So is there, yes. is there a direct
0: partnership between the work that your office does and individual schools, or is it more a partnership with the county at large?
1: Actually, I would have to say our coordinator has, um, has a wonderful relationship with our local schools. Um, and so she has formulated that partnership within, and in doing so, it has extended itself out um, to the county and understanding the importance of everyone working together for the benefit of the teen mothers.
0: Mm-hmm. That, that's great. You know, I'm kind of thinking about the other side of the coin on this. What ways do school policies and social stereotypes, even, you know, whether it's within um, the school itself or more broadly, affect the experiences of the young girls of color as they move through their journeys as young teen moms? Yeah, and, and that's, that is a
1: good point, um, because what we've noticed is that typically uh it's assumed that um a caucasian mother will return to school um because often with uh and this is again is is just looking at some of the the specific cases within our county within our program that what we've seen is that there typically is not not there's no doubt um, that the white stu- student won't return and continue education. However, for the, the um, teens of color, uh, it seems to be more acceptive of them dropping out. Um, I can't say, I, I, in speaking with our coordinator, um, she spoke that she doesn't, she's not aware of any school policies uh, uh, that have been put into place addressing those areas, um, but she does. She did reference that um, the social stereotypes abs- absolutely they, that they do exist, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it just seems as though adults seemingly are quicker to give up on the mothers of. Oh look,
0: you've spoken about how you know the social sp- stereotypes have have and do impact the you know, kind of the social contract that young teen mm-hmm. moms have mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the broader community.
1: Right. And,
0: mm-hmm. you know, is there a way that the education system can help to lower the rate of teen pregnancy as a proactive approach to strengthening the community? Um, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, w- within this series, the topic mm-hmm. of advancing cultural competencies mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm, at yeah. the school administrator level um, mm-hmm. you know within the the not just the social workers but also mm-hmm. teachers in the classrooms
1: right. what do you, what are your thoughts on that and I think and, and you just mentioned it initially Jen um, at the start of this as we know better we do better um, so the process of that and, and I think, what would assist us with that and, and strengthening the approaches it pertains to the community is just to continue providing the inclusive sexual health education pieces um, that are had for both boys and girls. Mm-hmm. I know as of right now, in Alex County specifically, the middle school students do receive a sexual health curricula, um, and it is based on their gender. Typically, the boys go through a program um that's called Wise Guys, and that's through the Children's Home Society. And the girls actually learn through Smart Girls, and that's taught through the health department. Okay. So um, both of those curriculas are grant-based um, from outside of the school system. Um, but basically what it does is it allows the education to be inclusive and not just centered around abstinence. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: and so I go back to, of course, the more that our kids know the better decisions they're able to make. Um, So I think if if our educational system continues to support this piece of education, then possibly we'll see the rates, um, hopefully the rates would drop or would continue to drop.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I'm going to bounce back to the behavioral services um, Mm -hmm. area of support. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on, you know, as you're speaking, I'm thinking about basic social cues that could be picked up by teachers in the classrooms with these students, Mm -hmm. you know, as far as being able to identify if a student is exhibiting behavior that seems to have shifted in, Mm -hmm. you know, pretty significant ways. Um, as a first touch approach to
1: intervention, if that makes sense. Mhm, mhm, mm-hmm. and and it's and like you said, that's it's it is so important for our educators to be knowledgeable of that um, because there are telltale signs, and it can be uh, seeing a child is withdrawn. Um, or seeing a, or, or to the extreme of that, to where um, they're more vocal, they're, they're more aggressive. Um, there, there's so many different ways that that can be seen and portrayed, um, but it's getting to know your student. And keeping those communication lines open to where they do feel comfortable enough coming to you when things are taking place. Mm -hmm. Um, Because what you may see as as being a behavioral issue may be because of what they're having to deal with at home or what they're experiencing at home. Um, And unfortunately, not knowing how to communicate that, not knowing how to express that, and it comes out in other Mm means, in other ways. Because unfortunately, what we see too... um, and it's kind of like some of the bumps that we see, uh, some of the, 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 the bumps that we see that some of our uh, mothers of color run into, um, and it's, it's termed, um, and I think it is, I think it's termed the bumps before the belly, mm-hmm. um, because sometimes there are different childhood traumas, there are different things that they're having to experience, even as they're going through their pregnancy. Or may have led up to the pregnancy. So there are just so many different things that, like you were saying, that we need to to take to be able to take notice of. And like I said, sometimes those are just can be those children that are just withdrawn Mm -hmm. um, or just may seem overly emotional, um, more so than the norm of what you're used to seeing them. And so it's so important to to be mindful and to be aware of those things um, because there could be some other things occurring in the background. So, are you,
0: you know, are you speaking of, um, you know, as you're kind of moving through your dialogue? I'm thinking for teachers to really have a sense of that it might not always be a choice driven pregnancy. Right. right And you know you know and I'm thinking the, about the intervention outcomes outcomes from early intervention from noticing signs of abuse that could, as you're you know indicated, lead to an early pregnancy.
1: Right right. And sadly, we do see that occur mm-hmm. um, and it can be an outsider, it can be a relative. Um, But those are things that we do see, Uh, those are situations that we do see. Um, Those are possibilities that may arise. And like I said, so there are other things that may lead to these pregnancies that are outside of um, our young mother's control. And unfortunately, they're in situations that, like you said, can affect them in so many different ways. Mm And for so that's why it's so important um, for those, whether it's an educator, whether it's a mentor, whether it's a church member, whether it's a family member, um, to be that person that that young mother will feel comfortable um, talking to and talking about those things that she may just not understand and why they're happening or why they have happened to her.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, but still being able to encourage her that even though this has happened, you are still beautiful, you are still special, there is still life beyond this. It may be a little more challenging, but still there's life, and there's still hope beyond this particular situation in your life, and you can learn from it and grow from it.
0: Thank you. So, you know, a couple of things to wrap up this discussion. You know, moving moving towards you know the, a positive positive swing. You've te- and, and you've actually spoken to a few of these, but what are some things that you see that are working to help not only support a dre- decrease in early teen pregnancy? but to see an increase in, you know, productive outcomes after birth.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's huge um, when we have programs in place, as I said, things that are geared more towards what our teen moms are needing. As they're talking to us, what are some things that you're needing and providing those those programs, those community service programs, um whether it's a leadership camp, and I, I think this was uh, has been hosted out of the the Guilford office actually through in Miss Bar- Broadwater, um, there's leaderships camps, there's mom, mom and baby camps, um, uh, different things that speak to the passion of what these mothers what they're wanting, um, and to help them become and change. Uh, to become the, the, the change that they envision themselves becoming, uh, bringing in women of color to, to speak to them, to encourage them, to motivate them, um, I think are huge ways in, in turning and making a shift of that and realizing, as I said previously, that this is not the end. This is the beginning for a phenomenal life. Mm-hmm. Um, we just need to put those things in place and, and guide you in those directions to where you can do just that, not giving up on them, but giving them hope to mm-hmm. move forward um, and being able to provide those things that we can, whether it's conversations, whether, whether it's different topics, whether it's just those support means, those mentors to walk them through the process and also to educate their family as far as the importance of the support. Um because they may be the one that breaks that cycle, because possibly we do see that happening, that this is all they've seen. Mm-hmm. And parents, children, we tend to parent as we were parented. And if this is all you've seen and all you've grown up in, that's all you think that you can become. But to be able to, to plant that seed in them and letting them know that they can be so much more than what they're used to seeing. And they may be that one person, them and their little one, to make that difference. Because we all go through things, we all experience things, and we may not understand why we're having to go through it at that particular time. But it could be to help someone else out along the way.
0: That's a really, I love how you have framed that. I love it. I mentioned earlier the theme of this podcast is, Learning, Lifting, and Leading Social Equity for and by Black and Brown Girls and Women, which is aligned with the 33rd Women's Conference that took place at Shaw University in Raleigh at the end of October. Could you make a few suggestions about how Black and Brown girls and women can be learning, lifting, and leading to bring about social equity?
1: Mm-hmm. I think, um, and this is a wonderful platform, Jen, so I think anytime um, someone, and I shared this with my coordinator, this was a conversation that was had, that anytime someone takes the time um, on this type of platform to even discuss teen pregnancy and inclusive, uh, including the sexual education piece, um, that in itself is providing an outlet for social equity. Um, because it's important to implement that as as adults are are providing open, it allows for a, uh, an open and transparent area for our youth to know. Um, that they can be in, in, in provided and in, in with truths about their bodies and their sexual health options, things that, that aren't easy to discuss, but they're given that, that platform to feel comfortable in doing so um, and being able to, to be given support to access health care. Um, because a youth that we look at children that are 12 years old. I mean, they have sexual health rights, so they can actually speak to a doctor alone and reserve, receive birth control. So um, the thing is why we, we give that power to a youth without educating them about it. So it's important that we have these sex conversations, and um, it's not that we're condoning it or we're encouraging it, But if anything, we're educating our children to be to make smart choices, to make wise choices and to become healthy adults.
0: Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you bringing compassionate perspective. Um, Mm. So I thank you for that.
1: You're very welcome. It's my pleasure.
0: Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Learning, Lifting, Leading, Social Equity for and by Black and Brown Girls and Women with our guest, Lisa McBroom, Program Manager and the Lead Intensive Family Specialist at the Exchange Club's Family Center in Alamance County, North Carolina. Special thanks for this podcast. Go to Shaw University, Elon University, and the Raleigh Apex Branch of the NAACP for supporting us.